9to5.cc. We're not working. Why should you? Thanks for listening. Welcome back to Go Plug Yourself. This is episode 204, aka Go Quarantine Yourself, episode 2. Um, yeah, because we decided that we're going to do this uh, a little differently while we are all uh, isolating in place and practicing physical distancing from one another. Uh, we're going to get to know our new co-host uh, a little bit more. So the next couple episodes, uh, we might have some guests on, but we're going to try to kind of focus on getting to know uh, Ines, Lawrence, and Chris a little bit more because they're going to be, uh, you know, they're, they're, they're the new co-hosts, guys. Don't you want to get to know them? And besides, everybody on Instagram Live has all these shows. Uh, there's plenty of places where you can kind of get to see uh, some of the talented Montrealers uh, doing their own thing these days. Uh, so we're going to kind of focus on doing our own thing, if that makes sense. Uh, apparently, Cult Montreal is still uh running their best of montreal uh, poll so if you want to go over to cult montreal and vote for go plug yourself we would love it uh or just tell your friends share the podcast uh, keep listening to podcasts uh during isolation guys it's kind of like hanging out with us except that you're not allowed to talk enjoy the show go plug yourself you plug another plugger go plug yourself you plug another plugger It's the illusion of social activity. Honestly, I never thought I'd miss people as much as I did. (laughs) Right? I know. At first I was like, good. (laughs) This is the best day of my life. A week later, I'm like, I miss human contact. Yeah. Now I'm like, Lucy, what are you doing? (laughs) Yeah. Uh, I haven't, yeah, I... I I mean, we're not going to... So, yeah. Disclaimer to our listeners. We're not going to talk about the thing that everybody's talking about that much. Like, it's inevitable, I think, that yeah. it's going to come up a, I don't know what's a little bit. <clears throat> we made the joke last Monday or whatever, where I was just sort of like, you know the thing that's really keeping Montreal under wraps? The snowstorm. You know, the snowstorm. 1998, yeah. You know, funny, exactly. my mom yesterday, it was raining all day. And at one point, she comes downstairs and she just looks outside like, you know, if it was cold, <laughs> a lot of snow. And I'm like, thank you, Weather Louisa. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, I, I think the weirdest part about, like, staying home is that you're just, like, you feel you're like, oh, I'm doing the absolute right thing right now, but I'm just, like, lazy and going crazy is where I, like, kind of feel. Like, you're, like, put on clothes question mark is like a everyday choice yes i put on like G, like a nice out like a show outfit i was like god damn looking good today Nobody. sarah and i did a sarah and i did a date night on saturday uh where we had uh we had like a nice dinner and stuff we put on our wedding rings for the first time in like <laughs> In like oh, two weeks, because you're like, we just generally don't put them on around did, the house. Did you have to get like a priest involved, or? Yeah, it was sort of like it's been so long since we put them on because I don't like I don't put them on if I'm just sticking around the house, whatever. They're usually like part of my going out. Like I I haven't put a watch on in friggin' three weeks because I'm like, why would I put a watch on? I'm in my house. There's clocks everywhere. Like, so yeah, we were just sort of like, oh yeah, we're gonna go on a date and put on our wedding rings, and then we listened to uh, live DJ streams and turned our house into a rave. Because we have huge smart lights that we can make move with the light, uh, with the music. 
So we had all three rooms of the house going in crazy lights while we watched. Uh, watching your wealth, Keith. They were a wedding present. Stop flaunting your wealth. Stop Keith. flaunting your happy relationship status. Yeah. Sorry. Try and we be miserable like everyone else, okay? Some of us are the internet a lot more. Oh, my God. We were down this week. We're talking about whether or not, like, we were like, if someone would call the cops on us, because they just, like, literally from both the front and back of our house, you would just see bright colored lights and cops occasionally, like, 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 people, people no call one, the cops no on parties now. Without other people, what kind of right. with? Exactly. But, I, but also, I don't think the cops are showing up for, like, noise complaints. No, they like, are. They have to, but they have, to, they have to confirm there's, like, more than two people. Exactly, that's it. But apparently, if you call and say there's more, like, it sounds like there's more than two people. They, they are have to there. come and check it out. Yeah. Oh, exactly. wow. Did you guys see that? Um, actually, someone called in the UK, I think in Liverpool or something. They called the police on a comedy club because they were like streaming like a, a, a previous show. But someone thought it was like live or whatever, because I guess they do this weekly or whatever. And it, it looked like a full bar. So they called the police on the on the comedy club and the police showed up and there was no one there. <laughs> it was just closed. Um, but was doing, like, yeah, a you don't have to have like a credible like... Uh, report at all i think you just have to be like i think as yeah a, no, as exactly. a citizen believe there are more than two people in this house can you come check it out and from what and from what i've heard they do show up to like bust up if they think there's more than two people and i was like which would just i, I thought it would be a great visual we're like no we're just complete and we've gone insane we just are playing loud music by ourselves and dancing under blinking colored lights um so this is go quarantine yourself episode two basically yay yay Instead of guests, we're you should keep uh, that name. Go quarantine yourself. Yeah, moving <laughs> forward for sure. I mean, until further notice, that's the show now. <laughs> this is, uh, and you guys were we're, we're going to talk about comedians and, and not the thing that everybody's talking about. Yeah, fuck the thing. Let's talk about old old comedy bits. <laughs> old comedy bits. Just I guess about so comedians that like kind of inspired you guys, comedians that uh, either you look up to or bits that you enjoy, all that stuff. So uh, obviously with us on the podcast, I I've, I didn't introduce anybody because I think you you know them if you're listening to the podcast, and I can't I forget that you can't see them. Hello to our adoring fans. It's you know, it's a this is a rough time for podcast downloads. Incidentally, across the board, I've I've discovered. Yeah. Because we're compete like nobody listens to podcasts at home. Or not nobody, but right. like, wait, so many more people listen to them commuting. Like I've been, I'm on a bunch of like podcasting forums and stuff, and they're like everyone is like there's such a downtick in podcast downloads because we're competing with like all of Netflix and stuff. Like you're like oh yeah, I mean, and I in general, like I feel like a lot, like you know, like we're doing like live stream shows on Instagram. Yeah. Well, like so are like every huge musician and comedian and whatever. You know what I mean? Like you can now tune in to your to your favorite celebrities live stream. You don't have to watch like your your comedian friends or, or whatever. And I'm sure same goes for podcast. You know, like all the content is like just way more available. All of a yeah, exactly. That's it. Wayne Johnson like, did it's... an hour and a half yesterday with like huge pieces of French toast, just answering questions. Yeah, dude. How am I going to compete? <laughs> <laughs> I don't even have French toast, you know? <laughs> French toast, sipping on tequila. Mm-hmm. Sharing, yeah, so sharing like, like uh, cocktail recipes and like life advice. I watched like 20 minutes and I was just started crying. I'm like, you're the best DJ. Stay home. <laughs> Stay home. <laughs> this was who? Who was doing this? Wayne, DJ, The Rock. If you smell... Oh. 
you know, wrestling's been so weird since the since like the thing because we're not going to say it by name. It's like Voldemort. Yeah. <laughs> Everything's Inessa, been so have you been weird. Watching, have you been watching any wrestling? Have you been keeping up? Yeah, yeah, I've been converted to a wrestling aficionado by the thing. <laughs> by the thing. The thing. My buddy. <laughs> the WWE put out a bunch. Uh, put made a bunch of the WrestleManias and um, like a bunch of their pay per views are free. And my buddy was like, he's like, what What do I watch if I just want to watch like maybe about like just like the best wrestling in the world? And I told him, uh, what was the lead up into X Seven? Which Royal Rumble? Like the Royal Rumble. And then WrestleMania X7. I was like, are the is the two things you can watch for it's five hours of your time and you and you can know that you've watched the best of it. <laughs> like and he's like, done. He did it and he's like, I don't want to watch any more wrestling, but I'm glad I saw that. Cause he's like, that five hours explains why you can be even into wrestling. Yeah. <laughs> like, cause it's that good. But you know, we're gonna talk about comedians. Everybody. Yeah. <laughs> we're not gonna talk about wrestling. Which comedians? Mm. I was like, I don't know how we're one at a time. Like, how are we gonna do this? That's what I think. I so so. If you yeah, I guess we'll go around around the the, the virtual room, and if you guys want to say like just mention one comedian. Uh, so how we set this up is Ines, Chris, and Lawrence told me um, comedians that they really enjoy, and then they told me to watch uh, like a bit or or find some time on them, and then I guess we're just gonna talk about some comedians that inspire you guys. Does that seem? That seems fair. All right, so we'll kick it off to the man in the top right corner because we're going to go clockwise. Chris. Oh, our screens look very – okay, but I guess okay, as long as you tell us. Oh, man, I'm, I'm top left. Chris is right. Ines is below me, and Corber is down there. I think it's like literally the opposite of what I have. But great, as long as you announce us, Chris, you go ahead. Well, uh, if I have to, like, gun to my head – Who's my favorite comedian? Not a list, like of all time. It's it's Don Rickles. Okay. Don, Rickles Don Rickles to me is is the last bastion of could literally get away with anything. Like there was like if Don Rickles was an inch taller, half his bits would not work. <laughs> not a lot of short material. It's just that he's so charming and so lovable. Mm. And he says the most ridiculous shit that even after he says it, you're like, you know what? I love this guy. And it's, yeah, an it's, that weird. it's an incredible power to have over an audience to literally just spend the entire time making fun of them and then at the end be like, yo, we love you, though. Yeah. For like 65 years. Yeah, no, it's, it's great. Like he, and he's just – you. Uh, the, the clip you sent me was, uh, was him basically uh, the Donald Reagan – Donald Reagan. Ronald Reagan. Slip of the Freudian tongue. Slip. Uh, yeah, I know, right? Uh, the Ronald Reagan uh, inauguration, and he just just tears into him, and like and and tears into him and Billy Graham, and like basically anyone who he notices the in the audience. Him, like he, that will never happen. There'll never be a, a U.S. presidential inauguration where they hire a comedian again. That those days are yeah. long. Yeah, they might. They might. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, uh, not uh, this administration. Twenty twenty one inauguration. Maybe they'll just. Uh... Maybe it'll just restage his roast. That'd be yeah. that'd be good, right? Yeah. 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 Oh, so we're like, calling now. Sorry? I don't know. I'm trying to I feel like maybe being hopeless is the key, you know? <laughs> no, I'm with you though. Yeah, but that that Reagan is a five minute set and there's a funny he had a funny story 
Because I watched, he, I watched he, kick, he kicks it off with tearing into Webster. He tears into Webster, and then he, he goes a shot after, at Webster. He goes after in order Nancy Reagan, Ronald Reagan, the United States Secretary of Defense, the United States Secretary, uh, the, um, the Secretary of State, and then it's like a minute and a half in, you're like, holy shit, this guy just doesn't care, and he was yeah. drunk. Him and Dean Martin. Dean Martin was also on that inauguration. Uh, were wasted. Uh, Dean Martin had little vodka bottles in his jacket pocket. Because <laughs> from the hotel. Sinatra, who Sinatra was hosting, and he was like, yo, you guys can't drink tonight. And then Dean Martin was like, yes. And then got drunk. <laughs> they got wasted. Starting now. Yeah, it was exactly. honestly... Is Frank Sinatra going to tell Dean Martin to stop drinking? Yeah, yeah. I don't know. That whole era. To be alive, my God. That whole era of performers... Like that that's the stuff that we'll never be able to like as performers like in in today's day and age, we'll never be able to have that because either we're gonna be too broke to ever enjoy it or if we get successful enough, like everyone will like the social media age, digital age, you won't be able to party like they did back in the fifties and sixties and and seventies when they were just running Vegas by themselves. <laughs> the good old days, you know, Vegas. No, no, it was them and the mob. Yeah, 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 yeah. But this course, isn't. Yeah. This isn't. But but Chris has got that part of it covered. You know, that's not the problem. <laughs> that's amazing. And one one last thing for me on Rickles, uh, he had the same in a, in a, in a growing up in Vegas and working in Vegas most of his adult life. N- never had an issue with like uh, like an extramarital affair. Had one woman his entire life. Uh, they met like when they, and they had a daughter who's also a comedian, uh, and uh, just the sweetest comedian we've ever had. I, I think is is a fair assessment. We'll never have another co- another comic who is as liked by universally, like across all genres of comedy, all demos. Everyone could. Everyone has a fun Rickle story. It's from, of a certain age. Everyone has a fun. And when he was here a couple of years ago, he was like eighty nine. And he was still yeah, killed. Yeah. That was that was a great that was a great show. So you in your in your comedy though, you do like kind of you often do roasty stuff. Is that is that like are, are you channeling Rickles of just like taking pot shots at everyone? No. I mean I'm not channeling no. Rickles. You don't want to Not channeling, game. but like I'm gonna say, but like but like this not every comedian does roasting yeah. stuff. Whereas Rickles was got very famous for it. Was he like an inspiration for like the roast style at all? Or like he was. More so, yeah. like a lot of people ask me if it's Jeff Ross, but like I like Jeff Ross, but like there's nobody who's ever roasted at, at, at anybody in comedy better than Don Rickles. Like if you watch those old Dean Martin roasts where he's just yeah. going through a dais and it's like in, all he needs is five minutes, which is the impressive part too. Like yeah. all he needs is five minutes and he's done. He'll sit down. That's uh, that's like if you're if you're gonna try to do any roast comedy and if you if you haven't. Uh, which Lawrence and Inez are both really great at. They're both great at our, our roast battle shows that we do. Mm-hmm. Um, if if I ask anybody who wants to do one, if they ask me like, what should I do to like, learn how to write roast jokes? Like, look up Don Rickles and just enjoy it because it's madness, but it's such a there's such a method to his madness, and it's really fun to look at and learn from. Well, I also think it's like it's kind of interesting that you sort of hit the nail on the head in a weird way, which was. That even though he was just sort of like absolutely destroying people roasting, he was still kind of lovable. You know what I mean? Like you were never. 
exactly. That's it. You're never like, like, like where if you're talking like, like a Jeff Ross or whatever, you're being like, eh, sometimes he's coming off like a jerk or whatever. Funny. Like I, I don't, I'm not, I have no beefs with Jeff Ross in general. That's my beef with the celebrity roast now where it's, it's, yeah. it's not, it's not really about like roasting as an art form. It's more just about who could be the meanest. Yeah. Yeah. Like and the most vulgar, most vulgar, yeah. yeah, and the most just like, um, almost derogatory. Where in the past, like even if even if Rickles was making a joke about race, it was still like it was still a joke that made people think, and was appreciated by the person who the joke was about. It was a personal joke. He wasn't talking about people as a group, which is yeah. which too many comics like always kind of forget when they're trying to make even just in stand up. It's it's if individuals one thing, but when you generalize an entire group, it becomes that's when you cross the line. Now you're racist. Yeah, and now and Rickles and people always ask like, why did Rickles get away with all this shit? Because he was never making the joke about a group of people; he was making it about an individual. And we love laughing at celebrities. We've like that Imagine video that came out a couple weeks ago was destroyed by the internet because we just love making fun of celebrities. It's our favorite thing to do. Maybe that's why they did it. I like to imagine it's not true. But I like to imagine no. that celebrities, there's some self-aware celebrity no. somehow, maybe Gal Gadot, you who's just sort of like, you know, you know it'll take people's minds off things. Gal Gadot? Was that yeah. your, your first no, go-to she's as, the one that a, orchestrated as a self-aware? I don't, think, I don't think Wonder Woman is texting her buddies and be like, hey, do you think the world wants to punch up? Like, I don't think. <laughs> but I'm not, like, I don't think that's what's happening. But that's in what I'm really In the group chat. In the group chat. Just her, the yeah. Justice League. Someone knows the Avengers. Let's, She's like, hey guys, let's do the yeah, Beyonce because they could not invite yeah, her. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, Beyonce left the chat right away though. She's like, I'm not sure. doing this. I'm fully Beyonce leaves chat. <laughs> oh man. But yeah, that, uh, I feel like that would be if if that was the real case, I would respect people so much more. If somehow they were like, let's make a super cringy video that's going to take everybody's mind off of everything and they're all just going to slag us and we don't care because we're millionaires. I know that's not what happened, but I like to imagine. And then they did it the right way. On Fox, they had a, a concert yesterday night and it was just like everybody just like performing. It was like John Legend and like Tim McGraw and like Elton John and the Backstreet Boys. And it was done like well and they're like, you know what I mean? But there's, there's definitely a way to do something where it's like, hey, we're in this together. And not be like shitty about the fact that you're like in a forty million dollar mansion, like you know. Yeah. Take a, for another example, the recent Backstreet Boys uh, video. Right. <laughs> that was great. Was, where they uh, where they all like got together from their own homes to like sing the video, and then like most of them are having fun and just sitting and they're like, I mean, whatever. They're rich. No one like ever. This is like you know clear to everyone one guy's just like having a good time with his kids in a drum set and the other guy's like where should i film this oh yeah my private pool and he's like very like <laughs> like nick i think I don't, I don't know which one's which but you know what i mean it was like like it was like a jarring difference you don't know which one of the backstreet boys is which no I what don't. Ines. i don't Damn. i can I identify AJ and brian okay here's a rundown and- Kevin, Kevin I, I can do it. Okay, I'm, I could. I know Kevin. Okay, Kevin is the I hot know. dad. Brian is the little. Yes. Is the one with the with the. Correct. The one who was playing drums with his kid. Right? He was having so much fun. Yeah. I was having fun watching. Okay, him, you know, he was standing by IKEA art. IKEA art. Come on, that's relatable, man. <laughs> <laughs> true, true. Literally, there's a. Nick my... Carter was the young one 
who was like the teen heartthrob. Yeah, he's the asshole by the pool. The blonde he's been, his yeah, whole life yeah, he's been famous. He doesn't know what the other side lives like. Howie D is mm-hmm. the shy, quiet one who like you want to get to know and like talk to him next to a fire. Uh, mm-hmm. Howie D. AJ's the bad boy. AJ's the bad boy. He's like neck tattoos, drug deals. And then I think I got I was Brian. He was like the bearded one yeah. and like the by the piano or yeah, whatever. He's yeah, he's the saucy one. He's all sensual and shit. Of course. You know? Brian, Brian's yeah. the ladies man. He used to, to paint his uh, his fingernails. Who AJ? Like black, remember? Yeah, in the AJ, when Millennium came, like... when Millennium oh, came out. <laughs> exactly. That was edgy back then. Was... Yo, Backstreet Boys first and only major concert I've seen in an arena. By the way, I I wow. went to that concert in '96 and I fell asleep. My dad was furious. Oh man! Because yeah, he paid like a bunch of money, and then like a, it's like Backstreet Boys, and then they get on stage at like seven, and then seven oh four, I am unconscious for three hours. Oh uh, God! Uh, well, 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 even a late concert. Well, good took us to Millennium. Okay, so googling Backstreet Boys, which one is which, doesn't yield anything. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, Lawrence, what's your, who's your, uh, who's your, who's your first, first comedian you like? Uh, I gave you a Carlin clip about abortion. You did. And I watched it while I was working out. Oh, that's, oh, that's a great what's workout your, uh, video. Kegels yeah. Or? What's your, what's your routine? What are you doing? I do. Uh, I only ever work out at home okay. ever. So this is not a change for me. Everyone's like, Oh, how do you do work? I was like, I only ever work out at home. Uh, because I, and I have to be by myself. I prefer the house to be empty. I don't like myself when I work out. I don't like to see myself. I don't like to hear myself. Yeah. I don't want anyone to see or hear yeah. me. I find people working out disgusting. I don't want a CCTV feed of me working yeah. out. Yeah, nothing. I was like, sometimes noises come out of me that I'm like, I am ashamed of and I don't want anyone to hear. Yes. And it's a gross thing. Yeah. I was like, Jim throws his wife out of the house yeah. for his workout. Yeah, <laughs> my my brother my brother is uh, making me a, a box every day with him after we finish work. That's good. Yeah, I'm, I I told Lawrence I'm gonna be the only guy to come out of this like uh, losing a COVID fifteen instead of gaining a COVID fifteen. I I started working out today because the last two weeks I had just been like it's the end of the world I'm gonna eat Big Macs and. I enjoyed it. Enjoyed it. Just bring it on oh, faster. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like, look, if the COVID doesn't get me, I'm just going to clog this heart up and be done with it. But see, I went, I went, I, I, I get where you're coming from, but I went the other way where I was like, I've been working out the most intensely, probably other than maybe I got in like pretty good shape for the wedding. But other than getting in wedding shape, I've been working out the most intensely during this because I'm like, if this goes real south, you want to be in shape and like, and you're one of those people, like, assholes who wants to survive the apocalypse. Is what you're exactly. Telling. I never yeah, understood yeah. that. Like, if the if the I'm world really, if the right? world falls what apart, for? take me out. Like, just like yeah. I don't need to be <laughs> here with like <laughs> rider like yeah, biker look, gang. Look how people are handling this toilet yeah, paper like, shortage. Like, okay, I don't. Yeah. yeah. If look, if if society <laughs> crashes, just put a bullet in me. I'm done. You guys think we're ever in an apocalypse like t- type of state where we'll still have comics being like, "Yo, open mics though, let's run them." Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's, yeah, it's yeah. going sure. to be all the all the guys who do grumpies for the open mic. Yeah. <laughs> Under which bridge? Okay, see yeah, you there. Yeah. See you there. Yeah. <laughs> it's a pay Meet me at the yeah. throne of skulls. We're going to have an open mic at seven thirty. Yeah, exactly. And then uh, fight to the death. They give you a food stamp instead of a yeah. drink ticket. You know, yeah, exactly. Okay. That's it. Uh, as as is our policy, like Kilgore will murder one yeah. of us. Whoever, you know, but whoever like, has the hackiest set gets uh, beheaded. So, 
Yeah, exactly. So I decided <laughs> I was going to... It's a bringer yeah. set. Uh, <laughs> you need to bring someone to be And to protect you from an eventual <laughs> So that you don't get beheaded Correct. Yourself. You need to roll deep. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, no, the, the, the Carlin abortion uh, yes. was... A plus. It is. It, and, and what's crazy about it is he opens a special with it. It's not nestled. Yeah. It's not nestled in the middle of, uh, in between stuff that's soft. It's not. Yeah. You know what I mean? He opens up with this really aggressive bit, and it's it's just so excavated, and he's come at it from so many different angles. Yeah. That for me, that's the quintessential comedy. Like, you know, when people talk about like, oh, is Pryor the best? Is Carlin the best? Who's the best comic ever? For me, the thing that always sticks with me of George Carlin is sometimes he will excavate a topic so entirely that other people who speak about it after become derivative of what he's already done. So, yeah, even if they've never seen the yeah. bit, he's just like, he's, he's mined the entire thing for all the comedy. He's found all the gold. He's found all the ore. He's found all the precious materials. So for me, like that's one of those bits where like any variation of a joke you hear about abortion now, it just brings me back to that. And yeah. it's just, just it's so fucking crazy and just every word is perfect. Every that's like a kind of a through line between the three comics I gave you is they're very uh very they put a lot of onus on the exact words they use and there's they're all kind of wordsmith types. So this is something mm-hmm. I really enjoy and I really gravitate to in my comedy. It's something that I've begin to obsess over and like which word is perfect and which per- which word is not good enough and going over it ad nauseum. So it's things that I really like mm-hmm. to see when I watch comedy. Which I think you, is, you, go ahead, Keith. I was, was going to say, I was like, how do you feel about uh, like a Bill Hicks kind of situation? Because he's kind of the, like, is it, is it too much? Like, I agree that Carlin is funnier. Mm-hmm. Like, of those of that like style, Carlin, I definitely agree is funnier. But like, if if you think like Bill is too in your face, because he was the other one who was just sort of like, I, you will you will get up and leave in the first five minutes if, if like if I, what I'm saying is offensive. You yeah, know? like I don't know. I, for me, Bill Hicks was never my guy. Like Carlin was a Carlin changed the way I felt and looked at comedy, right? Because I never mm-hmm. imagined being a comic, or I never was passionate about comedy until I saw him. Where Bill Hicks, I think, is like a thumb to the eye. It's like, you're not going to like this. Go fuck yourself. And Carlin's like, yeah. we're all part of this crazy universe. And I've noticed a couple of things. I also yeah. Think- yeah, yeah. He's like, let me teach you something. Yeah. If you can handle yeah, it, yeah. you know, it's like very, yeah. like, like his sort of this whole like very in-depth style that he has is not just like comedically like well mind as you say but it's like it's like almost like academic yeah. you know like he yeah. like it's like he invented the ted talk if you think about it but it's just like angrier yeah. and funnier <laughs> than most you know but it is like very like um like expository almost yeah. his work you know what i mean rather also, than like it's like very it's yeah, very he'll, like he'll I'm, at, I'm sick of it and i'm gonna teach you a right. lesson he's like yeah, like, yeah. That type yeah exactly of i was gonna say i was like like the the Car- carlin can kind of come off as a little like uh like endearing and and like you like lawrence you said it like we're all in this together whereas like bill hicks is like i could only imagine if you went to go see a bill hicks show like you just go home and just if you didn't have a drinking problem you'd get right one. you know like you're like there's there's no like silver lining at the end of it or whatever you're like oh that was horrible yeah. he just he just pointed out everything wrong with yeah. everything and had no like it's funny it's like dark and, comedy and, but you're like there's no like, if you, hey if you take yeah. material there too it's really easy to come off preachy it's really easy to come off you know on 
you know, imbalanced or whatever the case is. And I find Carlin kind of mm-hmm. walks a line where it's just always like packaged so pristinely that it never really veers off course. And there's something mm-hmm. like, I have a message. And even if you agree with it or you don't agree with it, right? And you can rewatch some of his old bits that maybe haven't aged as well. And you could be like, I don't necessarily agree with that. But you can understand the through line and the logic. So it's like making you, yeah, yeah. it's just something we see in great comics like him and Chris Rock and Seinfeld, where you might not agree, but they're going to win you over at least with their logic and the process you're being taken through. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The other thing about the difference between Hicks and Carlin I think is important is that like Carlin was 71 when he died. Bill Hicks is 32. Yeah. Like yeah. you don't have the like I talk about this all the time with Warriors, the perspective, about, yeah. About the next chapter. Like when you're in your thirties you do a lot more maturing than you do in your twenties and and like the same as you go on. Like you have a different perspective when you're fifty five than when you're twenty seven or you know, yeah. twenty nine. Uh, and I think that matters in comedy. Like all the great comics that we all admire, the ones that have the biggest impact are the ones that lasted the longest. I feel. Yeah, for sure. Because they had, they, you had different perspectives. You had what Carlin thought when he was in his twenties, when he was in his thirties, when he was in his forties. Yeah. Even like if you look at Joan Rivers and how her comedy developed, yeah. like, she you had her when she was like a young up and coming kid, and then when she became like a fashion icon, it's like a two other ends of the spectrum. So like, I think that's important in comedy where we, we have to realize that like we lost Hicks way too soon because he died when he was like 32. Yeah. It's also yeah. hard to compare because one is like an authority on comedy throughout the ages. Right. And Carlin himself only talk like in his books, he talks about like only feeling confident and like feeling that he was good at stand up when he was like in his fifties. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like when people, yeah. And that's, that's interesting in terms of giving me perspective as a comic. Like I've been doing it five years and people are like, don't you want to be on TV and have all these, you know, sell out an arena and stuff like, uh, yeah, but like it could take years. Like someone who has success now doesn't necessarily mean that my path is going to take longer or less time because I feel a certain Mm -hmm. way about it. You just got to be patient and chip away. And if it never happens or if it happens soon, whatever. That's why the three of us as comics, especially in Ez, we have an advantage because we're we're younger, and we're getting this like we're getting reps in like in our community. and the three of us are a lot of comics, a lot of Canadian comics especially they all started in their thirties. Yeah. Like I couldn't like I started when I was twenty three. Mm-hmm. So like if I was like if I were to not if I were to just start now at thirty almost as opposed to when I was twenty three, I don't know if I'd be as like I wouldn't be as confident on stage as I am now because of the fact that. I started so young, and when you're younger, you're kind of more fearless, I think. Yeah. You're scared of things. Think about how far Harrison's going to go. <laughs> Harrison's age. This is what, daycare? <laughs> <laughs> well, you're, you're you're still pretty young, too, aren't you? Like You're 25? Uh, yeah, like I'll be turning 26 in like about a, a month. Uh, and yeah, so I started when I was 24, like just had just turned 24, literally the week before. See, so. I, I started at 26 and I felt it was too, like, I, I already felt I started too late. Like I should have been doing this when yeah. I was 16. I should have been doing this when I was 17. I, should- I, I think I, I felt that very much like not like looking out into the world of anything gave me back perspective because there is like as much as what Vendito is saying is true. There are people who start even later than that and like still make it or whatever. Yeah. But it was almost yeah. like within the context of my own life, I was like, I can't believe it's like taken me so long to get yeah. here. Like, you know what I mean? It was like a sense of like, I could have been at this for so much. Uh, longer. I literally had to be forced into it. 
And it was something I wanted to do. Like literally I was at a job that I did not like. I was working 80 hours a week. I was fucking miserable. At the gym, right? Yeah. And, and one of the guys, You're at gold. yeah. One of the guys at the front desk signed me up for a writing class. And I was like, bro. Uh -huh. And he's like, no, no, no. Joey Elias has this writing class. Go do it. And it's something I always wanted to do, but I literally spent a decade telling my You're Elias alone? Sorry? You're an Elias alone? Joey Elias' writing class, yeah. In yeah, no, I said you're an Elias alone. Like yes, like Walter, Chris Vendito, a lot of really, really good comics. Um, and it's it was crazy because it was something I always dreamed about doing. I would daydream about it actively, like in my own little world, in the shower or whatever. And then when it came time to do it, I'm, I'm always like, no, you know, it's a waste of time and it's so hard entertainment and this and that. Like, there's always reasons. There's always reasons. And then once I just shut the fuck up and started doing it, and realize like, oh, even if I don't make it, make it, this is still so much fun, and I still fucking love it. Yeah, I, like it. I know. I was like, I was my, I was like two minutes into my shake. I said it was like not going spectacularly or anything, but I was like, I'm never gonna stop yeah, doing this. <laughs> even the nights that don't go well, and even when you get yeah. caught up in politics and bullshit, and this guy got that, and I deserve this, and this person said this, and I didn't get invited to that writing session, and pep pep pep. You can do that all yeah. day, and at the end of that, even the worst day of that, this is still fucking amazing. Okay. Um, Which of your turn. comedian idols do you want to introduce first? Um, so it'll it would have to be John Mulaney as my first one for sure, just because nice. he's the guy who like introduced stand up to me almost. Like I I mean I knew that it existed as an art form, I guess you know like it's not that I didn't know that um but uh and i think this came up on another like maybe the first podcast that i did but i didn't like grow up really having any awareness of stand-up mm -hmm. because it is very much like a north Amer or it used to be a very north american uh like subset of entertainment um there was like all sorts of other comedy in my uh whatever in my universe but not that so then it was like i don't really have like any like of the like of the old people unless i've seen them like now i don't have any rep like real experiences with them mm -hmm. um so john mulaney was the first time that i actually like watched a stand-up special and i loved it so much and i watched it kind of by accident like i i, I don't know i always think the story is really weird um and that i probably would not have found my way to stand up without it hmm. um but i had been broken up with by my long-term college boyfriend and i was like very devastated and i got a uh, day drunk in the park with my friend um and then she had to like leave to go to work and then i was like i'm not going home i'm gonna keep getting day drunk exactly. by myself and you know i was like this me. is what this is what I, should i go home and like cuddle in bed and like cry a little no i'm gonna i'm gonna stay outside and watch netflix on my phone for some reason that seemed like a great idea and then I think it was just one of those things where like Netflix just starts playing something as soon as you open it. You know what I mean? Like when it's like kind of harasses you with a trailer. Yeah. Um, and it was for John Mulaney's new in town. And I was okay. like, fuck it. I'll watch this. And I, Such a good special. It. like I watched it. I was like, again, on my phone, like sitting up against the McGill building. Uh, and then I went home and like made my sister watch it again with me. <laughs> and I was like in a like super awful, like state of mind for like several reasons. Uh, but that thing like made me laugh so hard, you know, and I thought that was like incredible that I that I was like laughing in a moment where I thought like nothing could mm -hmm. um, right. like let alone cheer me up, which it didn't. That's the thing. You know what I mean? It didn't like change my baseline situation. Yeah, you're not um, like everything's going to be OK, but you're still laughing. 
Yeah, show, which is like, great, which is like I think still what like stand up does, but that that does help. You know what I mean? It influences your mood if it even if it doesn't influence your like overall like emotional state or whatever. So yeah, then, John Mulaney was that for me. And then I think honestly the reason that I even started watching other stand up specials or clips or whatever was because I was like there was no more John Mulaney to watch and I was like I watch some other people you know like waiting for his next special to come out um or whatnot and so then that started my real and then for like a while like stand-up was all I would watch like if there was a new and there was like not that like right now on Netflix there's a bunch especially because Netflix produces a lot of them but this was like at a point where like there wasn't like too much of it and so i like watched like everything that there was stand-up related on netflix and then started watching it on youtube and whatever so yeah but john mulaney was the, the beginning of it all for sure mulaney was also on your list yes mulaney was on my list too uh i found him a bit later but i still love just the way again he's one of those organized everything has a purpose everything has a place he has excellent movement his mm-hmm. face follows his words. He's like, everything about him is just really pristine. And he's very self-aware and he knows what people want to hear from him almost. Mm-hmm. And he's still kind of interesting. It's weird also, like, I mean, since like Chris kind of like kicked this off with, with Rickles sort of talking, like there's some, there's like nobody, It's he has like a very modern style, but with like an old timey sensibility. Yeah, the suit and like the very showy kind of like clean shaven, like yeah, exactly. Up. That's it. And like, like, yeah. like that kind of voice is he some like you know likes to do because I feel like we all have like sort of like voices that we do as like alt or whatever. All of his sound like like radio announcers from yeah, like, like, yeah. Bob 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 like they're all very whatever, like yeah. yeah. Like and about sort of his like comedic aesthetic is very is very that's like. Do, a do you ever listen to? Do you ever listen to stand up in Spanish at all? Um, yeah, so one of the people on my list is is like an Argentinian young lady whose special I really love. Also, just kind of stumbled upon it in, on Netflix, um, and I so I have watched some some of the stand-up, but like I said, it's like pretty new that this has like reached Latin America. So I've seen little of it because I was already like here, you know, and definitely most of my uh, like cultural consumption is just like in English in general. Mm-hmm. Um, but there was something that there is this like um, Argentinian group of guys who they don't do, I guess they do sketch would be what you would call it, uh, but they're called Le Luthier and like a Luthier is someone who makes and um, fixes instruments. And so then they did like, they, they were always playing instruments on stage and they would make their own. So they would like make crazy instruments and they're a huge deal in the Spanish speaking world. Like they, um, started their group when they were in university. So all of them, like, I don't know, like 18 or something. And there are now, like, some of them have died. They're, like, now in their 70s or 80s, and they're still, wow. like, performing. Um, and they're incredible. They're, like, super, it's, like, a very, like, smart and clever humor, like, a lot of, like, wordplay, a lot of, like, uh, cultural references. Um, but anyway, so I love them and we used to watch them with my family a lot. So like my big reference for like Spanish comedy is like that type of thing, you know. Um, Did you ever like with, watching, uh, watching Los Espookies? Like, no, but but I mean to because I've just recently acquired it and like got yes. my hands on some links for it. Yeah, Yeah. no, it's so good because I, I was when, when you guys were, were talking about this, I was really trying to think about like, just like comedy specials and stuff that, that I've been watching recently. And Julio Torres uh, did my favorite shapes 
on HBO, which like I was dying, like like dying of laughter. If you guys haven't seen it, you should. It's I mean it's a comedy special in like kind of air quotes, but it's him sitting in front of a conveyor belt with like as and then shapes come in front of them and then he kind of like has a bit about every shape. It's like if it sounds like it's insane absurd, like it, it absolutely is. And you're like, how is that an hour? And he's like, no, it's it is an hour and it's a, like the funniest shit you've ever seen on the planet. If you like very absurdist kind of stuff, I highly recommend checking out Julio Torres is my favorite shapes. And also Los Spookies too, which is uh, a Spanish language HBO comedy show produced by Fred Armisen. So like, uh, oh, I didn't realize that it was in Spanish. Los yeah, 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 yeah. Los Spookies yeah. is fully is com- well, not completely. There's like a, I would say it's like. 80 20 in favor of spanish there's like a little bit of there's like certain characters that uh that are english but uh mostly it's spanish i recommend julio torres guys nobody even like reacted you guys haven't seen it no i'm not what's that i was googling him yeah i never heard of so funny dude like he has uh Oh my God! There's a there's a bit that he did on one of the late night shows, just about like other like just like him like just like making fun of like the Thanksgiving parade, and it's just like just complete complete not. Fred Armisen is a very good comparison. He, he operates in that same kind of space where you're like you're either going to really enjoy it or you're going to be like I don't understand why anyone would laugh at this ever. Right. So, <laughs> Which I'm I'm on the Fred Armisen side of things, but a lot of people when I tell them that I like Fred Armisen, but like, what are you like? He's not funny. Like, it's there's no jokes, and I'm like, no, but that's. But I that's- do adore Portlandia. I will say I have a real yeah, big place in my heart for Portlandia, so I definitely like appreciate Fred Armisen's like comedic. I don't know what like whatever creations yeah. you know, but I yeah I like think. Him solo in front of a mic has never done much for me. You know what it's I mean? Like uh, I appreciate yeah. his mind or in his acting, but like there's <laughs> like, sorry, Fred Arvis. <laughs> you see his, his comedy for musicians stuff? Yeah, uh, yeah. Like I didn't, I didn't like make it very far into that, and I could kind of tell that it was mostly just like not like I'm, I wouldn't say that it was because it was bad. It was just like not maybe so much for me. You yeah, know? exactly. Like, not, like, I, I, and like I was. I've died throughout that entire set. And like, and part of it, even some of the jokes that were meant for musicians that I'm not necessarily musically like aware enough to get just the fact that you're like, I'm doing this, this targeted joke to an audience of five people. Like most of the audience doesn't even know what's happening. That element, just that kind of stuff is what I find very, very entertaining. I don't know why, but, uh, but yeah, check out Julio Torres also. Uh, Chris, you want to tell us about another comedian? Uh, to, to shift gears, I guess, uh, Deborah DiGiovanni is my favorite comedian I've ever worked with. Nice. And I think she's one of the greatest comics we've ever produced in the country. Uh, if you've never seen Deborah live or at all, I, 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 like, I, I first became a fan of Deborah DiGiovanni when she was on Video on Trial. You guys remember Video on Trial? Video on Trial. Yeah, I was, just, yeah. I was like, waiting to bring yeah. that yeah. up. That was, like, my on. first experience with Canada. that, too, of course. Yeah, Canada's own uh, Video on Trial. She was hilarious in that. And, like, me and my sister, like, we'll watch, like, 
uh, my sister will actually come with me to a comedy show when I tell her, like, hey, Deborah DiGiovanni's going to be on. She's like, oh, I'll come to that. Like, <laughs> that and the late John Burnett, who was also on my list, are the only two comics my sister will make time for me with. <laughs> wow. But, uh, was like I just, I, I love... Go ahead. No, I was going to say, John Burnett was like a weird one because I saw it on, on your list. And I was like, I believe that might have been the only comedy special that I remember my parents renting. Like I'm starving? I, I, one of them. I, I don't remember which one because I, I was like pretty young at the time. But I was like, he was I, very big when I was a kid. Corver, Corver might remember this. When I started, I used to wear a suit all the time when I performed. Like a full-on yeah. shirt, jacket, tie. And the amount of times I got called John Panette was the reason I grew the beard. <laughs> right. But also, like, there's something there's something John Panette had something like he did a, a handful of things so well that they just transcended fat jokes. And it was just like exciting. And, the, you know, him coming back to Montreal, it always felt like he was playing a show in his hometown just because he was so beloved here. Yeah. And it was incredible to see. Yeah, and Deborah's the same thing. Uh, Deborah's the same thing. And she also talks a lot about uh, body image and, and her, and like her size and, like some of her throwaway jokes about like being overweight are some of the greatest. Like you like this shirt? It's great. These are my drapes, but now it's my shirt. It's great. Right. And it's like with these like quick throwaways. It's like jabs, like a boxer jabbing you in the face. And she's mm-hmm. like joke, 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 joke. And then she'll go into this long story that connects back to every single jab she threw at you at the first ten minutes of her set. It's she's like she's. I think she's the best. Like if you want to say up and coming comic in Canada, but. She's like the next great superstar we're gonna produce. Like if K Trev is considered a superstar now, I think I think Deb's next. And I, I'm just I'll, obviously I have to support all my Italian uh, paisans mm. right. <laughs> comedy as well. Are you on trial, man? Where did that go? I'm literally looking it up on on the web, like trying to download it because I know I've tried to watch it on YouTube and it's not there and it's just like gold. No. So like much like very defining of my first few years in Canada. You know what I mean? If I think to having just moved here, it was like a lot of the Food Network, a lot yep. of the Portuguese yeah. hours on CTV, like for some reason, like the early afternoon was just all Portuguese programming and then like video on trial, you know, that was like what, it, yeah, it's like very defined. It almost daily too, eh? Like I remember it being, there being a lot of it. Like, yeah, I think, I like, I think because it had been going on for a little while, at least when I got here, I don't know how long it went on for or whatever, but I know they would like show old ones because occasionally yeah. we would run into the same one. So that's how it was kind of always on. They'd be like all sorts of like backlog if you look at if you look at some of the names that got there like like were on that show like yeah it's nuts it's 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 a lot it's like darren rose deborah uh um what's his name hunter collins is on there as well shop um eddie del sepe these are some like big time canadian comics that that show could still be useful. Crave, if you're listening, um, start a new video on trial. Inez, Chris, and Lawrence could be on the first panel. Would we like would, if you need a we bigger would be honored. You would be honored. Wait, is uh, is much music still a thing? I don't know. I don't think so. 
I don't think so. Marty, Marty Adams, Nicole, Nicole Arbor, Sabrina Jalise, Hunter Collins, Eddie De La Sepe, Trix, Gemini, Boomer Phillips, Lori Elliott, Ron Sparks, uh, Dini DeMacco, Sarah Hennessy, Darren Rose, Andrew Johnson, David Kerr, Deborah DeGiovanni, and Trevor Boris. Were the I saw Trevor Boris on Boris the TTC one time. Mm-hmm. That's funny. So Ain't that great, though? Just running into com- comics on like public transport? Yeah. One of my one of my big reality show guilty pleasures is Big Brother. And then when they uh Oh my girlfriend makes me watch that all the time. I I make you or you does she also make you live tweet about it? She made me and then I've gotten like so deep in. It's the I'm thing like, that they, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's like a cult. Like I, I know my I know logically I, I don't want to be there, but then every time it's like joy. It's just Lawrence Corber are tweeting about about Big Brother. Or, but the thing is, is uh, Mike doesn't Mike doesn't watch the Canadian one. I don't watch the Canadian one either. No, he so, hates it. So so it's funny. In the Canadian one, there's a weird uh, moose with a like flamboyant voice that like gives them things or whatever and all that stuff. And I was like, damn, that sounds like Trevor Boris so much. Sure enough in the credits, Trevor Boris is like a, a segment, like kind of writer, whatever, whatever. I think he writes somehow he's like attributed as a writer. And I was like, the moose was Trevor Boris. <laughs> like the voice. So writing- only strengthening Chris's claim that video on trial clearly was the launch pad of everyone's career, you know, you know, it's a star yeah, maker. Yeah. Exactly, but it was so—it was just so weird to have this moose like yelling at people, and I was like, "This seems very familiar to me." Then it turned out to be Trevor Boris is the moose. So uh, I'm sure that—that's got to be money, yeah. though. Writing on Big Brother—that's—that's that's a thing. Yeah, uh, Lauren, I'm sure she's not, happy okay. and well. <clears throat> whoa, whoa, what? I said, Lawrence. Lawrence what do you want to tell us about? So. And that's already covered Mulaney, so we don't have to go over it again. And the third one I put in was more of a recent inclusion, I guess. Uh, it's a comic named Taylor Tomlinson. Uh, she's 26 years old, and she just put out a Netflix special mm-hmm. called Quarter Life Crisis, which is really, really good. And it's really fun to watch. And she started off doing comedy in like a really religious Christian circuit, like doing churches and shit. Mm -hmm. And she kind of talks about her life in relation to, you know, what her religion used to mean in her life and then what her family feels about it. And it's just really well done and really well put together. Mm -hmm. And I just really enjoyed it more than a lot of comedy specials I've watched lately. So I wanted to include her in the list. Nice. Yeah. I've I've not watched that yet. Although I, good that you remind me that it exists but <laughs> everything i've seen by her has really made me laugh you know yeah. i i yeah I, I would love to watch it because i've only ever you know i've seen like she goes on conan and she does this thing like i don't think i've ever seen more than like five minutes of her at a time but it's yeah. always really good um and yeah and she's yeah, someone who just kind of like not to diminish the effect of her comedy at all like i do <laughs> think she's very she's a very good writer and a very good performer and like great joke writer or whatever. But there is like something just overall about her that I find really winning. You know what I mean? Like the, like the tone of her voice and like, like her facial, just like everything about her personality, like contributes so much to her jokes or to her overall effect. You know, I, I like that a lot about her. 
Well, it's like when we were, when Chris was talking a little bit about before about how all of you guys got in relatively young. So you're like getting in your comedy reps and stuff. The other thing I was thinking of is I was like, you're now, you're also operating in the first time in history where you can go back and watch almost all comedy, you know, right. which is like, it is like, oh, I'm sure that there's the, the paranoia of, oh shit, I'm going to be derivative, but you can also like, it's the equivalent of like a, a if you're going to become an author, you read books by the greats you know if you were going to become a comedian in like the 80s or 90s or 70s you have to track down records and stuff to try to listen to these guys sets whereas now you can be like i can find this guy and i can watch him for hours i can watch i can watch all of carlin's material yeah you know if i wanted to whereas that would be a lifetime endeavor to try to track down in the 90s you know like if i wanted to find it all so there's also that thing where I'm sure you're going to see, uh, like, like your, your, like you guys and like your Taylor Thomasons and stuff. You're going to find people who can get these, I think, like creative voices earlier in their careers, and then, to Chris's point, do the reps <laughs> like sooner. You know, because it's like you're going to have a chance to, like, if you're a musician or an author or whatever, you usually can find the body of work of the greats. Whereas I think in comedy, that's it's only in the last maybe 10 years that you can find the body of work of the greats and right. act like accessibly, you know, so you can actually like get inspired and watch some of these people, which I find is very, I think like we're just probably going to get like the best comedy ever in the next like 10, 15 years, because you're going to have kids growing up who have, who are able to listen to comedy in the 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s. and like, and have the whole piece, you know, like, but I think it's like also becoming like so much more like easy and accessible to just do your comedy. You know what I mean? I feel like a lot of people who have like very successful like Twitter accounts are essentially like stand-up comedians. They just like never have thought of or don't need to bother going to a club. You know what I mean? But they like they yeah. have this thing that like they have the chops if you want. They they could become very good comedian like stand-up yeah, comedians exactly. if they wanted. But they have all these other avenues to, to showcase their talent mm-hmm. and just like the fact that you can find out about stand up and learn a lot. Like, I think there's like, if it wasn't again for the internet and just it being sort of, you know, like slapped across my face, I never would have found my way to stand up. You know what yeah. I mean? If, if I had maybe grown up like in a different time, it just like was not in any way like made to seek me out and right. like pull me in. You know what I mean? So then there's like all, all sorts of ways in which it's just like a lot more people are going to get into it and get good at it and like showcase their stuff. Did you guys watch um, uh, Dolomite Is My Name on Netflix? I have not. Oh, my God. I have not either. Uh, are you, I almost did it at actually, a Netflix party the other day. but uh, This yeah. was my lead-in for, for Chris, one of Chris's picks. But, yeah, but, uh, mm. but th- that's basically what happened for uh, Rudy Ray Moore, right? Was he was just, like, he was just funny and around and, like, and telling jokes. And then he was like, okay, I'm going to just – I'm just going to do that and I'm going to start like working clubs and, and doing whatever. And then that somehow parlayed itself into a shaft parody film franchise. Like it's like, I, uh, it was AI. I highly, highly recommend it. Uh, mm-hmm. It's Eddie Murphy in the, the role of Rudy Ray Moore, which I was like, I was trying to set up Chris as a lead in for one of his comics, but then he hasn't even seen the film. <sighs> Chris. Uh, but like, I, I, <laughs> I knew the crib notes of the story, so like I kind of knew how it, how it went more or less. But Sarah was coming in uh, completely, um, like completely absent. Like so, she didn't even know that like Dolomite got made into a film. You know, like so like the movie was much more of an emotional roller coaster 
for her because like part of it is like can they even get this film off the ground and i'm like yeah they do they make it but i was yeah. like well, it is. <laughs> this is historical <laughs> yeah exactly like i was like i they're gonna be okay that's a, it's a thing but like sarah didn't know like maybe it was a movie about like the failure of this guy or whatever but right. uh but yeah but his whole thing just as a performer and then he started recording these records and doing whatever and it, it's the movie's great uh eddie murphy is great in it and but one that's one of those things where it's like if you're funny and good enough, it doesn't really matter. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it, it, like, how do you even get a record made? And there, they, there's like scenes in the film where he's trying to get record deals and, and stuff going on where it's such a different time where now TNS's point, you can just be like, all right, I have a YouTube channel now. But like right. to, watch, to watch this guy yeah, struggle people... to be like, I have this thing that people don't really understand is comedy. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, how do I sell this? And it was such an uphill battle. Whereas nowadays you could be like, it's a YouTube channel. And yeah, and like you can like seek out your audience and your audience can seek you out and you don't have to ask anyone's permit. You don't have to like convince a network executive that, you know yeah. what I mean? Like, I mean, you could say this of all sorts of content creation, not just comedy by any means. Yeah. But I think that is like beautiful about the internet is that you don't have to convince the people with the money that you're good at whatever it is that you're doing before they show you to the actual consumers. Yeah. You, you can, can be just... like, here's my shitty like iPhone, like whatever, like record, you know, recording studio. And, and like, if, you know what I mean? Like, it, and sure, maybe you're not in fact funny or good at this or like, or anything anyone wants to watch, but you can try. And then a lot of people succeed that way. You know what I mean? People who would otherwise probably not have been given like two, I mean, two seconds of attention. To quote Macho Man, the cream rises, you know, like that's, that's how it goes. <laughs> you're like, there's a lot of bad shit on the internet, but the good shit, but the good shit you find, like, and people talk about it and share it. Yeah, but like democratically, you know what I mean, rather yeah. than like, than like yeah. by oligarchically by like the selection of like five Hollywood hotshots yeah. who are all and like my old nephew dudes. Has, my nephew oh, is you know. a comedian, so here he is opening for someone. Yeah, well, this is the first. Did you say old dudes or old Jews? I heard old Jews. I think I. Uh, oh no! Choosing to be offended. Well. All right, I'm gonna peace out now. Cancel the nest tricked into anti-semitism um no but i think i think Ines is definitely right in terms of this is the first generation where we have not like celebrity by by democratic means but we have the ability to kind of circumvent traditional gatekeepery so yeah. if there's something that doesn't you know what i mean someone's like well you have to do this to be successful in the last couple of years we've seen that's not necessarily the case and if you want to really oh, yeah. run something your own way you can do it you know yeah yeah, yeah. i mean uh, even just that, like, like oh at first you gotta be palatable to everyone and then yeah. maybe you can find no it's like i mean it's it's always a little riskier or whatever but you have the potential of trying that on your own of being like you know i'm gonna sure. go balls to the walls myself and then we'll see who who, who comes around like yeah. Yeah. that's it like i, I i've been I guess comedy scene adjacent for like a decade through Walter. And mm -hmm. just like, if I look at what Walter was putting up with 10 years ago, where there was like, it was just, it was just works and nest and that was it. And if you couldn't get in there, there was nothing, <laughs> you know, versus now like flash forward 10 years and for better or worse, I guess there's so many more open mics. There's so many more rooms. There's so many more like places that you can go out. And like, I'm a firm believer of the cream kind of rising. So like, there's just so many more opportunities that you don't need to deal with. Like, oh, I I'm, I didn't get along with a guy who booked the one of the two clubs in town. So now I don't have a venue. 
Right. You know, whereas like now you're like, yeah, you don't need to be necessarily a club comic or whatever. There's like alternative rooms, alternative shows, different avenues. I'm not saying it's like the perfect utopia, but like compared to when 10 years ago, it was very, very different, you know, like just even. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, not even 10, like I started, I started seven years ago and, mm-hmm. and, and if you go from three, three years ago till now, the amount yeah. of, uh, the amount of satellite independent rooms that are not only like open mics, but like there's actually rooms now on a Saturday night where you'll get paid to work. And like there's, monthlies and or yeah. bi-monthlies and just like sh- types of shows like Inez was talking about where it's not just regular quote-unquote straight stand-up but there's there's alt shows there's um there's conversational type shows there's roast battle shows there's uh game show type shows all in the realm of comedy whereas literally like seven years ago when I started it was like like you said Keith it was go to the works on Mondays go to the nest on Tuesdays and Wednesdays and then, like, on the weekend, go to the clubs and, and, and like, watch stand-up. Whereas now, like, people are able to come up and, like, six months after they start, like, okay, on a Saturday night, you could go to the club or you could go to do your own show, which mm-hmm. has, its, you know, has its pros and cons, but I think ultimately it's just better for all comedy because, I mean, I'm a firm believer that when you're – when you become, like, a any, good at anything – but like especially in comedy, we have a responsibility to help the next group, the next crop of people mm-hmm. that want to do this. So as opposed to shooting in everybody down and kind of like being a quote unquote like grumpy gatekeeper, it's better to give everyone their options and tell everyone here's what you can do. It's up to you to decide what you want to do and what you know what type of path you want to take because it's all different. Like my path's different than Lawrence's. Lawrence is different than Inez, and like and vice versa. The, how you got there isn't important. It's it's what you do when you get there that matters. I saw on social media the other day that Ines just celebrated your two year stage anniversary and and Woo. and your first time and your first time on stage wasn't even doing stand up. It was like to Chris's point, like another type of comedy show. Yeah, which was definitely important for me to. Like, I mean, I think we were this was sort of just chit-chat that happened before we even started the podcast with, like, Lawrence, you were talking about how much, like, coaxing you needed to get into actually yeah. doing comedy, and I was the same. I also needed, like, my friend to literally get me, uh, like, an opportunity that I had, like, no choice but to sort of fulfill. Right. Uh, but this other show that I so it was, like, Aloe's storytelling show, which I actually, like, run and produce now. And there's this sort of panel aspect of it. And so doing that was like, for me, a huge step, you know? And it was like very much safe because it was just like, I sit on the sidelines and just like give two minutes of opinion and it doesn't even necessarily have to be super funny. So it like felt very safe and it was still terrifying, but it was like, I don't think I would have necessarily made the jump without that stepping stone. So yeah, the fact that a show with that kind of format and, also, just, you know, it's Aloe show. So it's like a very welcoming, warm, wholesome, like, course, yeah. safe space. There's no, not any kind of, like, uh, going you, to, open, like, to a vicious yeah. open mic at a yeah. club where people you, are going to be like, you're not going to make it, kid, get the fuck out of here, or whatever it is. Yeah, it's, it's, it's no, no, you can't, you can't find a space, of, a safer space. Literally. Exactly. So and, I was and, like, there's no, you know what I mean? It was, like, as, like, shallow end of the pool as I could possibly. And, and I think, I, and I think that's kind of <laughs> speaks to Chris's point because Aloe, created that space because they felt that there wasn't a space like that right yeah, yeah. it was the kind of so, space they wanted to like the 
like do their comedy in. Exactly, uh, and, and, that, and many others do as well. You know, like and it, he, they put it in in a, in a bar that I had run a show with Reese Turner. We used to run open mics called Stand the Fuck Up, which I think is before well, was comedy. Yeah, well, I, I went to one of those when I still was only like an audience member. I used to go oh, to cool. shows obsessively. So I was at the yeah. one where I don't know if you remember. I don't know if you were at this one, but there was that comic from L.A. Who just oh, like got on and then gave oh, like a misogynistic yeah. tirade yeah. and then talked to Ellie McDonald and then Oren yeah. went on stage and then like yeah. I was cleaned the guy out. Oh my god! Yeah. yeah, I was hosting that guy show. So this guy basically went on. He was this LA comic and he was talking to Reese and I like he was God's gift to comedy, even though we did not know who he was. We couldn't find anything about him on on media, of course. And then what happened is he got on stage and his premise was like, uh, yeah, 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 you girls uh, don't want to get me tooed, but if a guy looked like George Clooney, you'd be into it. And then yeah, yeah, that was rant about how how women when they don't want it they want it, and it was just like I lit the guy after like forty seconds. I was like, just get the fuck off my stage. And um, he was a whore. It was that was probably the worst experience I had running that show. Jesus, that was probably uh, that was probably the worst. And there was like, and that show had like a lot. There was like mobsters and like prostitutes and, and strippers and there was a massage parlor next door there's a lot of crazy shit happening and i think that's probably the worst experience i had there yeah you know what a time well sorry to bring it up but no no no, no. So all that talk about dolomite though was you you did cite eddie murphy as one of your guys that's uh yeah well he's i mean we don't have to spend much time on eddie murphy but he's in my opinion he's the greatest comedian of all time he could have retired at 22 <laughs> He could have retired at 23. Yeah, this doesn't require a lot of discussion. Just greatest, let's move on to the next thing. (laughs) Delirious and Raw and being the most important character on SNL all before your 23rd birthday. Tell me who has a better resume than that. His resume is so good before he was 23 that he did 20 years of terrible movies and it doesn't matter. Yeah, I it's like, it like he, could, he could be like, I'm he back does. in stand up, and you're like, yay. But his stand up doesn't, like, if you I watch just, it now, uh, it doesn't, like, age. If well. we had an Edward. So it's really interesting. I would say, like, to Lawrence, I think to the certain elements of it, absolutely. Like, I, a little bit like what you talked about with Carlin, kind of, where it's like certain elements are absolutely, he's like, like, they, there's like misogynistic shit in there, there's homophobic yeah. shit in there. Like, like with, without a doubt, there is material that Eddie Murphy did on Delirious oh, and Raw. But at the same time, though, like the craftsmanship is insane. For sure. You know, that, like, like, you know what I mean? Like, and it's one of those things where was it a different time? Like, I don't know. Like different time is a weird thing to me to try to get my head around. I'm like, I'm like, I don't know when a different time started. Well, like, or, before, like, or ended. Or ended. Yeah, exactly. That's it. Like, 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 what, what's his name? The, the bullshit guy on uh, on SNL, the weird right wing comic who they were like, oh, and he was like, it was a different time. They're like, it was a year ago. And I was like, I know a year oh, ago. Who they hired and immediately I, I, had to fire. I, I, yeah. Some like, I had just for laughs. The, some, like, the weeks before. I mean, he's happened. still alive, is what, you know, he's still alive and working, is all we need to And know also, a year ago wasn't a different time, but was the early 80s a different time? And I'm like, I kind of like, I if, if a person is still making those jokes, in 2020 then like absolutely not but if you're gonna like the the stuff that was playing up into a crowd like 30 coming on 40 years ago you're just trying to connect with your audience and stuff and it's like i don't know there's like a weird there's a weird thing and like i said i'm not necessarily gonna say that those jokes age well they don't (laughs) 
but I can understand how someone would end up writing them, even if that isn't necessarily, or even if it is what they thought in the eighties, that might not necessarily be one of their core beliefs. Right. You know? Like all our, all our comedic heroes from that time period have not aged well in some ways or another. You could find prior bits that haven't aged well, Carlin oh, yeah. bits that haven't aged well, River, Roseanne. Like there's, I mean, Roseanne hasn't aged well, period. Like, yeah, I was gonna uh, say, but I was like, Roseanne did, just, Roseanne did a different thing though, where she was then like, here it is in 2020, and you're like, no, it's not okay, or 2019, where she was yeah. awful. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, but, but that's what I'm saying. It's like, it, as a comedian, like at 20, at 23 years old, I was just starting doing open mics, and mm -hmm. for Eddie Murphy at 23 to be like, you know what, I'm gonna retire from doing stand up, I've already achieved. More than more than I could a uh, lifetime's worth of experiences is, is to me is is fucking wild. We'll never I don't think we'll ever see that again. Where he's also like we talk about Mulaney, we talk about like comics of today. The first comedian to become like a rock star, like I I consider John Mulaney like a rock star in stand up today, where he's mm -hmm. not just a comedian, like he's like a a, a multi platform type of like. Like a like a superstar, right? Like he's you think you yeah, think like people who don't know or give a fuck about stand up, like still no, know him. And he's a meme. Yeah, he's and, like, the, yeah popular. Uh, yeah. yeah, exactly. I would say like in order, <laughs> John Mulaney's I think the only one who I enjoy. Or well, I mean, well, that's not true. I I was gonna say in order there was like Dane Cook, then it was probably Louis. Then it was like Kevin Hart, and now it's kind of John Mulaney in terms of the like the superstar. Like I could, f like I'm the comedian that people know. Is Dave Chappelle would... dead in this world? Or... No, Dave Chappelle came before Dane Cook. Dave Chappelle like, was like peak, peak, peak early two thousands, like two thousand three. Dane Cook was a little after that. Chappelle's show was two thousand three, two thousand six. Yeah, I was going back a decade. I did ten years back in time. That was my. That was my jump. Because he disappeared after 2006. He came back. Yeah. Early 2000s, Dave Chappelle was definitely the biggest fucking comedian in the world, without a doubt. I was going to say Chappelle is probably the closest one to Eddie in terms of the like, and he wasn't even that young when Chappelle's show broke. He was early 30s. Like, yeah, like late 20s, early 30s. Yeah. You know, and, and he was, I think, the only other guy who was just sort of like, okay, I, this is, I'm too big. Goodbye. And just like walking away. And you're like, what is happening? All right. Just uh, but no, but like if if you're gonna talk about the history of comedy, the conversation has to include for better or worse Eddie Murphy, and yeah, like he was nice. able to be like the 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 the, the roadmap he provided specifically to black comics, uh, mm -hmm. whereas Pryor was seen as more of being um, a once in a generation talent who didn't really care about developing the future. Whereas Eddie Murphy, like he passed the torch to, to Chris Rock, Eddie Murphy, Chris Tucker, Chappelle, yeah, and like he 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 created a whole generation of, of of like black comedians that have become like the the tastemakers of that subset of comedy now of of the 21st century, and it all so like a, it all traces back to Eddie. Well, there's a big thing that I like. Um, it's a, a story that I've gone back to, like in a bunch of different cases when it comes to like um, like race and and just sort of like opportunities and stuff. It was like a couple of years back, Marvel Comics for uh, for Black History Month decided to have a bunch of their um, 
comic book covers done as tributes to famous hip hop albums. And then someone rightfully called them on the fact that not a ton of the artists who were doing those covers were actually like African-American artists and stuff. And it was like, it, it, it like, it triggered this whole entire debate. And uh, one of the, one of the actual, like the black artists who had done the, the cover art was talking about, he was just like, he's like, I don't necessarily blame Marvel for that. Cause they run like 40 different issues a month and, and there aren't enough of us to fill that hole. But he's like, but he's like, but at the same time, he's like, but a big part of that is because growing up to be a comic book artist is not something that like a young black person feels in America is even possible. Whereas I think Eddie Murphy, to Chris's point, absolutely established like being a stand up is a thing you can do. Yeah. Right. You know what I mean? And like, and how important that is, is to, to see yourself or see the possibility of yourself in a future, because otherwise you're just going to like you're not even going to pursue it, right? Like you're not going to pursue becoming a comic book artist if you don't think it's a thing that is for you. And I think that sitting up there watching Raw, watching Delirious, I th- I'm sure it was like a tremendous, like mind opening experience for a ton of like young black comics who were like, oh shit, yeah, <laughs> like I can do that. And then we've all benefited from great comedy because of it. So it's just, it's, it goes more to reinforce home the point of, the gatekeepers in comedy have slowly been dying for forty years. Yeah. And and now it's now it's at a point where it's like there are no more gatekeepers. What Inez was saying earlier, where you can do whatever you want. And that's that's traced back, I think that th- those roots are from the comics of the eighties and nineties who were went against the norm, went against the grain. Um and like we owe that we owe the freedoms we have in comedy that we could everyone the total misconception about comedy is that there's no more freedom of speech you can't say anything you can do whatever you want in comedy today it's really about how you present it and and how you're able to build a base off it like build an audience with it uh but the the, the number one misconception of comedy is that it's, it's somehow regressing and i totally disagree with that it's it's only getting it's getting better it's getting more accessible and you're able to do pretty much whatever you want now in comedy, whether it's sitting at home on a Twitch account or doing live shows, like in front of people. Well, I was gonna say to to tie this into something that Ines was saying earlier that like when you were growing up, there wasn't a lot of uh, kind of like Spanish Spanish language uh, comedy going stand on. Up. Stand up, stand up, yeah, stand exactly. Up, yeah. You, you didn't mention there was sketch and stuff, but then you sent me. I'm gonna probably butcher the name. Uh, Melina Pichot. Yeah. Yes. No ish malena i would say and then i don't know about her last name because i've never it like, seems extremely french <laughs> it probably, i mean it probably, she's argentinian there's like a lot of like european you know what i mean yeah. like all, i mean all of our last names are are like of some european extraction but i i yeah. think most people pronounce it pichot because okay. pichot we don't have the sh sound in spanish but anyway put, yeah put the, like like in like okay i'm sorry like uh like in there you go. Like the ch, maybe. Yeah, the ch. No, no yeah. ch. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so yeah, no. We, um, I didn't get to watch the whole thing, but Sarah and I watched maybe the first fifteen minutes of her uh, of her Netflix special, and we're gonna we're gonna finish it later tonight because it was very fun. But yeah, but I, 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 as a viewer, I mean, Inés, you're obviously gonna talk a little bit more about it. But as a viewer, like the idea of an Argentinian lady stand up comedian, I think, is not something we would have seen until recently you know what i mean like yeah, i don't know think... and, and she was totally like the way she came up into it like she was like not a club comedian of any i mean not like mm-hmm. 
you know, just not only because she was like a woman or whatever, but like, again, I'm not sure how much of that culture was even there for her to access, but she got started through the internet. It was like, Mm -hmm. supposedly after a bad breakup or something, she just had like, she was just like kind of like at home, like feeling sorry for herself. And she started like recording these videos, sort of making sketches out of her sadness, like a bit like I'm I'm not super (laughs) familiar with what exactly went on, but that was sort of like her launch. And then she became somewhat popular online and then started doing comedy or whatever, you know, like mm-hmm. started doing like performances on stage or shows uh, of stand-up style. So, I mean, I don't know the exact route of her career, but it does seem like that was what put her on that path to begin with. So yeah, it's again, like sort of like the technological advances and the open platforms and the whatnot were like a big, uh, a big part of her doing that. So do, like, um, and was, Watch watching her, uh, watch watching her stand up and stuff. Obviously, I mean, there's uh, obviously first of all, she's like Spanish language comedian, uh, like strong kind of like feminist voice. It's like it's like there's like a bunch of things that like to Chris's point, old style gatekeepers of comedy would have prevented her from having a Netflix special. But like, but now we yeah, have Netflix special. <laughs> you know, like, now we have Netflix. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A comedy club, just one at a time. Here's a Netflix. Here's a Netflix. Here's a Netflix. In the old line, because like now, it, like you know, I mean, like Netflix only really cares about like are people going to watch this. So if you, if you, what in in whatever way you have you have already gathered your own audience, and you can be like, look at all the people who would watch this. Yeah. Then they'll be like, okay, here you go. They don't and do Netflix any of that. Kind of like, oh, we're it. here handpicking what we think is really funny or yeah. whatever. I mean, not yeah, that's it. They're know, not they're not taking a chance on anyone. So it's like 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 she got her special because she like had an audience, like had a following, and people knew that they were going to watch it. And then anybody who was maybe on the fence about it that it was still going to be good. They're not taking a chance. Yeah, but like, yeah. but there's also the fact that she then didn't have to worry about the fact about like, you know, whether like a certain Netflix executive or not was into like feminist comedy, you know what I mean? Like she didn't yeah. have to sell the comedy to him. She had to sell like the, like the special, like she had to sell the audience or whatever, yeah, exactly. you know what I mean? Like she, that's the thing, like you, now the middleman is the audience. It's not the executive because mm-hmm. before, like, I mean, even if they were into you, can you imagine like how much, and I, I feel like a lot of things still work that way probably yeah. but the fact that like you have to convince like a handful of people who have their own personal tastes that you are like funny or a good singer or a promising musician or anything you know what i mean it's three people's opinions count for millions supposedly whereas now you can be like no look i already have the billions like you can't like you have like you may not like me personally but you can't tell me i'm not good or i'm not gonna make a career out of this or i'm not gonna like sell out a theater you know just because you don't think i'm, I'm good enough yeah well that's i mean that's the like I said, I already mentioned Julio Torres, but it's just like, that's one of those things where that immediately comes to mind where if you're just sort of like, I'm like, I'm a gay Latin American, partially Spanish language comedian, and I'm going to do a show about like holding up little shapes to a camera, like a pyramid or something, and then talking about it. You're like, what? And then you're like, no, 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 it's going to work. That like, he would not have found work in most eras of show business you know like yeah. i mean there's but now you're like no there there's an audience for it it's gonna it's gonna work uh did you, so did, did you find uh milena uh on your on your netflix john mulaney triggered uh netflix diet yeah or? i would i would think i would say definitely like i think that you know uh i was like already further 
into it. This was like a special that came out when I was already into comedy. So I remember yeah. like, but I'm sure like Netflix then told me about it right away because it like fit, fit right into my algorithm, you know, yeah, stand up yeah. being what I mostly watched. Um, and then of course I was like, obviously really intrigued by, by it being in Spanish and whatever. And so, yeah, I, I watched it and I loved it. Um, and I made everyone in my family watch it. Too. <laughs> Did they like it? Yeah, they did like it. Yeah, completely. We have like very much uh, a shared comedic sensibility. I feel like me and my family. Um, yeah. You also, uh, someone who also, I think a lot of people discovered through Netflix, I guess, but not necessarily through Netflix standup because Lady Dynamite was a pretty big deal. Oh, Maria Bamford. Yeah. Maria Bamford. Yeah, exactly. That's it. Like, um, I, and I don't know. I've I've never been the biggest Maria Bam, and, and which is shocking to me that I've never been a big Maria Bamford fan because I'm like a, you look at your younger brother. So what? You look at Maria Bamford's younger brother. Oh, shit, maybe I'm like the third Bamford child. <laughs> <laughs> maybe that's what's been looking for you. But yeah, no, I, uh, I, I Maria Bamford has like I. She's one of those comedians that I can appreciate everything that she's doing. And and so much of what she's doing seems like it's supposed to be for me. It just never connects. Like, I, I would never watch her perform and be like, no, like I couldn't, I didn't even get through Lady Dynamite, even though I was like, Lady Dynamite was, is by, if you wrote it down on a piece of paper, right up my alley. But how does Maria Bamford speak to you, Ines? <laughs> Um, yeah, I think she's trash, but how about you? Um, I didn't say trash. I said doesn't speak to me. I, can, I just said she, I can appreciate her, her craft, her talent, her writing. I can appreciate all of it. It just, it never hits like, yeah. yeah. Um, I don't know. I just, I just enjoy her in all her weirdness and mm-hmm. the way she like breaks rules that I think I like understood existed, even though I, I wasn't even really that aware of them, you know, like, well, I, I had seen like clips of her at like just her last or whatever, which I think is one of the ones I sent you on YouTube. Yeah. yeah. Um, but then one of the first true thing that I really like watched and made me a fan of her, I think was her special old baby, yeah. which she starts like uh, the way she filmed it is like, she, she starts and it's just her in front of a mirror and then after that, it's just her telling jokes to her husband. And then it's like three neighbors on a park bench. And then it's like she kind of like keeps climbing up to like a real audience. She has an entire special that is just her parents in her living room, you know? And like, there's this like feeling of of like doing stand up to no audience obviously doesn't like work or even to just one person. Like you really want the feeling of a room of people laughing at you. Uh, you know, and but she can just like she makes it work because she like Tignotaro, who's another person I put on there. Mm-hmm. I don't like it's not I don't think that they're necessarily like the absolute best joke writers or like the funniest people or whatever. But there's something that I appreciate um, in their kind of like fearlessness yeah. and their um, like expertise with like awkwardness almost. You know what I mean? Yeah. They, re- they really know how to work with it. They know how to manipulate it. They like almost like feed off of it you know Tignataro one of my all-time favorite like stunt jokes ever in history was like if you you've heard the like like the Tignataro indigo girls thing like tell me first of all do you you know who the indigo girls are quick quick. I do know who the indigo girls are 
Okay. Um, so part of my mandatory lesbian education. Sorry, I, I think I like girls, and they were like, "And here's the Indigo Girls discography." <laughs> yeah, basically. Um, but yeah, no. So back in 2018, uh, uh, I think it was on. She was touring. Happy to be here. I, I might have been. I think our first major tour post breast cancer. I could be wrong. Maybe on the uh, on the exact timing of it. But on her last, she had apparently like had like a, a kind of a weird like throwaway joke towards the end of her set to be like, anyway, like, thank you for like sticking around for, for my set or whatever else. And like, here's the Indigo Girls as like kind of a joke. But then on her actual like last show of the tour, she stretched this thing out for like several minutes of being like, anyway, so like, thanks for sticking around. And you were like, here's the Indigo Girls. And everyone just like applauds. And she's like, no, no, but like really they're here. And she's like, that's ridiculous. Why did you applaud? They're not here. That doesn't make any sense. Why would you sit through an entire stand-up special just to watch the Indigo Girls play? That doesn't make any sense. But she's like, no, but really, they're here. And then everybody like applauds and it fades again and like and no one and nothing happens. She does like she milks this for like several minutes, only to at the end reveal, of course, the Indigo Girls are there and play it and play like a several song set after her thing, which I was like, just watching it is hilarious and just the concept of it doesn't make any sense and why would the indigo girls be there and and just like i mean obviously like you're a fan of tig like that weird kind of like deadpan like why why would you even think that is happening like why would is why is that a thing you would think even for a minute was happening that the indigo girls yeah are play? Like, because that is kind of how she talks to you like she has exactly the the kind of communicative style of someone who constantly makes you believe things she says you know what I mean? everything she says sounds yeah. honest and absurd and then she can like get you really easily yeah exactly. so i think that's why it worked for her and also and she doesn't mind doing something like that like because I, I, I think that's like they put that in the Netflix like version. Of, I'm sure they did. Like it's something like, yeah, they only like they played couldn't one. Have done anything else? Yeah. Um, and and of course it's like it's like annoying. You know what I mean? Or it would be annoying otherwise. It's sort of like back and forth. Which she like convinces you that's going to happen, and she's like, "No, you're an idiot for believing it," or whatever. Yeah. This back and forth. I feel like a lot of people would. Uh, not have like the stamina like, to do that. I don't know how to like put it. I mean, she really does off. not care about pissing off the audience or, but like in a different way than the people who say outrageous things. What I mean is that she like does it. She keeps her cool very well in a way that I yeah. admire. You know what I mean? She can let like an like a silence hang in there if it's necessary for the joke. Mm-hmm. Like I think a lot of people. Of course, I'm not talking the pros, but I feel like it's the thing I notice in in comedians. It's like something they're not, myself included. I feel like I have to like fill the like I have to fill the empty air. You know what I mean? And I'm like really grasping at things. She like really will do what she thinks like needs to be done to um to make the joke land, mm-hmm. and she commits. Yeah, exactly. That's yeah. It. And, and that, that's what I'm saying. I, I, the the Netflix special ends with the actual performance, but like she did the bit during that tour without the performance. Where she, right. where, where she was just like, no, they're not here. That's stupid. And that was like the end of the show. Like, and you're like, but then, yeah. Then yeah. Cause what, which would make sense. Cause it's like, why, why would they be there? Yeah, exactly. Like, why would they be here? Which is, which is just a plus stuff all around. Uh, are there any other comedians you guys want to, want to shout out and whatever? One person I will say just before, while you guys think about that, uh, while you guys were sending all your comedians and, and I was trying to think of the, the specials that I've listened to the most in my life are the Mitch Hedberg specials. Those right. are the, like, 
those are the like there's the two there's the two full lengths they did and then you did one like 30 minute i think recording or whatever those are the comedy recordings i think i've listened to the most in my life and uh and i don't know i i feel that he was a a little bit like a bill hicks where you're like gone too soon kind of thing but mm-hmm. was just like in terms of a guy who was not like anybody else and just sort of like on top of his game while being like nobody else like he has an interesting place in comedy because it's like his jokes are almost so iconic that you could say them out of context and they're funny. Like, yeah, you know, exactly. You know, like, the they're, yeah, they're jokes in the very like commonplace and like they're like they're so anonymous jokes. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah, you can just tell them at a. He's another person. A, like, I tell I tell the banana joke like almost any time I look at a banana that's not ready. Where right? the hell did you get this banana? Yeah. yeah, exactly. That's it. Where you're just sort of like when you're at a stoplight, like. Yellow means slow down, think about it. Green means go ahead. The exact opposite is true of eating a banana. Yellow means go ahead. Green means slow down, think about it. Red means where the hell did you get this banana? That's like, perfect. Exactly. That's it. And you're like, there's not even, there's nothing more to that joke than that. But I'm like, I see a banana and I'm like, oh yeah, that Mitch Hedberg joke from 20 years ago. Yeah. <laughs> he's someone else who's like, I mean, as much as, yeah, and then you can tell any other jokes and they work or whatever, but he is like someone who's like so much personality and so much like delivery and style and his sunglasses and it all kind of like built like this whole persona that was, um, incredibly enjoyable yeah he's another he's another person that you can't have the conversation about comedy without without including the mitch Hendrick yeah. portion of the story and there's like yeah. and he completely enters that rock star you know in terms of like people who don't usually watch stand-up or, or yeah. big comedy but like they, they know him you know i mean he's just famous he's just plain old famous like yeah, yeah. uh and also to answer your question keith uh Two favorite comedians that I haven't talked about are uh, Lawrence Corber and Inez Anaya. Stop oh, it. Oh, my God. Now, now we're, we're, go we're, into we're, deep about why you think they're great. Yeah. Oh, okay. Keith? Bye, Keith. Did we lose Keith? Yeah, apparently yeah, you I mentioned You didn't mention him oh, as Keith one of my favorite comedians. You see, it was too self-serving to talk about ourselves. Yeah. And now we've this lost Keith. I think his Chrome just crashed. He just messaged And me. you know what? That would be an excellent time for us to talk about how, what major overhauls we're going to take to go plug yourself in the future. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to cut Keith entirely from everything. Gone. Yeah. Gone. We're still going to have him book the guests. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then we're... He, he's going to do all the admin, the editing, the cutting, the posting. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I don't want to do it. Just the producer, and just we're gonna do all the talking, though. Which I think is for the best, right? Yeah, doing all the talking. What is that? My middle name. Sorry, you missed <laughs> that. <laughs> oh, that was good. But yeah, Mitch Hedberg was an all, was what I would say probably one of my all time favorites as a comedy fan. That's uh one of one of my faves uh is there anyone else we missed anyone else you want to jump in on one i want to talk about i know uh, chris chris you guys you had you mentioned robin williams who also crazy legend yes uh he 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 was the first celebrity death that really affected me from like a personal standpoint and uh he was just the greatest i've I watched live on Broadway like 60 times. I could recite the whole thing cover to cover, which I can't mm-hmm. do for many things. Like I have a 
the brain capacity of a small hermit, but uh, <laughs> live on Broadway is my, my favorite comedy special ever. So recommend it's, it if you haven't seen it. It's insane. And it, it's also one of those things where you, you realize that, uh, like, I, I can't remember who made the joke, but they were just sort of like, it's a three hour special if it was delivered at like the pace of most comedians. <laughs> you know, because yeah. he's, he's just on 1.75 speed. Yeah. Exactly. That's it. He's just yeah. like. Uh, he also, he also, I'm pretty sure, like, dr- consumed and sweat out like two liters of water. Easily. He has, he has like that rack of like 10 bottles of water that he just plows through. He was right out of rehab and he was like very like twitchy and he was still really, it was a lot. It was, it was peak Robbie Williams for me. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's amazing. Uh, I think that's more or less the show. I think. Does anyone have it? Did I, did we miss anyone? I mean, I think we can talk about comics we love for another yeah, hours, we, right? yeah, we could go on forever. I think we've had a good, uh, had a, good a good go time. of it this time around, you know. Yeah, so I don't know. I don't know what yes, the, we'll the have to do this again sometime. Exactly. I was like, I don't know what the future of go quarantine yourself will be, but I, I don't mind like four way discussions about a thing being go quarantine yourself until the end of this. I, I don't think that's a terrible idea. I mean, I, I know think, I think the next episode should be the three of us trying to f- sell pro wrestling to an ad. <laughs> <laughs> I anticipate my internet's not going to be working that evening. <laughs> oh no! You do know, you do know, Ines, that like multiple people that you know, including the the three of, of these people, are are going to be getting together remotely for two nights in a row, probably three or four hours a night. Get some wrestling in. Yeah. <laughs> just, yeah. Well, I, I mean, I'm not surprised. And I would do it for other things of my, you know, I'm, and I support you guys liking it. It's straight drag. So I get it. I get why. It, 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 is, I, that's, it yeah. is straight drag. Um, 100%. But I'm just, you know, I feel like I have enough interest is my problem. I am like very resistant to people making me interested in more things. Cause I'm like, I'm that's not, fair. <laughs> barely keeping up as it is but. i i real i realized when you guys were sending me all of these that i was just sort of like i don't have time to be a proper comedy fan but i still know a ton about comedy but i was like man i was like i can't get into comedy like i was like i do i, I have too many things that i'm following and reading and watching and whatever if i was just sort of like now i need to and i and i don't and i don't even have the urge to perform stand-up comedy. I just don't have, like, I literally don't have the time to watch all the specials that I would want to watch. Like... Yo, we should, not for nothing, not to to totally cut you off there, Keith, but I'm going to. Um, Go for it. We should do the next one of Go Plug, uh, Go go, go Quarantine Yourself should be our favorite TV shows, and then we see what differences and tastes we have in television shows. Interesting. Favorite favorite comedies, or just favorite TV shows of all time? TV. Your favorite, give me your f- three favorite TV shows for the next one that we do with this, and we discuss our favorite TV shows. That'd be fun. Okay. Outside of outside of genre, oh shit! I thought like that. I'm glad we have two weeks for that because I have no clue. I'm like, on what basis do you judge? You know, like how do you not say like The Simpsons? Because like obviously The Simpsons, but like also, fuck I it. mean, but obviously The Simpsons. That seems like that in itself seems like already. Uh... 
I mean, not that you're going to face a lot of disagreement, but that's like an opinion in, in itself to discuss. Yeah, I know, but I'm just saying, but like, how, how do you talk about favorite TV shows and not talk about like the TV show that like had a gazillion fucking amazing comedy writers over the years and, and like different like comedic voice talents and guest stars and everything. like The Simpsons is like, it's such a gimme that you don't want to put it on your list in a weird way. Like, it sounds like like now we're just stealing time from the next podcast. No, it's a a teaser. This is a teaser. It's a little, it's a little. Wet your lips. Uh, yourself. Thanks so much. I hope this is salvageable with the technical issues. Bye. Thank Thanks again for listening. Go plug yourself. As always, a big thank you to Leland Beckman and Oral Turpitude for providing all of the original music for the show. We mentioned at the beginning of the show that we'd love for you to tell your friends about the show, and honestly, that's all you really need to do. But if you're feeling particularly generous, you can support the show financially and 9to5.cc in general by going to patreon.com slash 9to5cc. You can get early access to every episode of Go Plug Yourself and other perks too. Finally, if you or someone you know has a project they'd like to plug on the show, reach out to us and let us know. You can find us on Facebook by searching 9to5cc, and we're 9to5cc on Twitter also. If everything works out, you could be the next person to sit down with Walter and I and talk about horror movies or wrestling. And I mean, also the thing that you're trying to plug. 9to5.cc. Podcasts, blogs, and comics. Made in Montreal since 2011.